On today's episode of Ticket to the Draft, we've got the skill guys, the playmakers, the running backs, the wide receivers. We've got record-breaking 40s. We've got alien 6'7 wide receivers. And we've got receivers pretending to be horses out there, man. It was wild. we got quarterbacks, AJ McCarthy, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., and the quarterback boards are shuffling. That all starts right now. Welcome on into the Ticket to the Draft podcast presented by SeatGeek, the official primary ticketing partner of the Washington Commanders. I'm Logan Paulson here with Just a Guy Jason, and we are just finishing up day three of the Combine receivers running backs and quarterbacks and it was a marathon of a day but a lot of fun because these are the guys that are the playmakers in this year's draft class this is the best day of the combine yep. thanks to seat geek we had the best seat in the house <laughs> right what we, we really did seat. we, we did had a good a time seat. you were getting up with your exercise bands and working out halfway through yep. because it's a lot of sitting there's a lot of guys to watch here but man is it fun watching these guys do their drills watching these quarterbacks spin it yeah, absolutely. And again, we, the, the the top, top guys didn't participate, right? So who are they? They're yeah. uh, Caleb Williams, Jane Daniels, Drake May didn't do anything. Marvin but, Harrison Jr. Yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't do anything. Malik Neighbors didn't participate. But I think with the quarterbacks, that second tier guys is really fun, specifically J.J. McCarthy, man. Like, he's so interesting watching his film, watching him throw today. And then honestly, like... People talk about uh, Malik Neighbors not, not participating, Marvin Harrison Jr. not participating. I mean, it was great to watch Brian Thomas Jr. and Roma Dunze, man. He is a special prospect, yeah, you know, that, and so. That wide receiver group is special, yeah. right? There's a lot of really good players there. And when we break them down, we're going to do running backs, then wide receivers and quarterbacks. Yep. When we break down the wide receivers, like we're going to. We're going to nitpick. Yep. Like we're going to we got to be nitpicking. Because they're all really good. So yeah. I just want our listeners to keep that in mind when we're looking at like what differentiates this guy from this guy. When we get to the wide receiver group, it's going to be it's going to be the smallest of details. They're all very good. They're all very good. And if you disagree, please leave a comment. You know, like, again, we're trying to flesh out our, our evaluations. And if you guys see something different, um, we'd love to talk to you about it. So make sure you leave a comment. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a group that may not have as many top end of the draft yes. players is the running backs. 100%. Now, why do you, why do you think that is with this class specifically? You know, it's funny. Like there's just not that guy, you know, like uh, last year there was the Jameer Gibbs. There was um, the guy drafted by Atlanta, John Robinson. Yeah. And I think they were special. And I think, you know, in the drill work and the testing, obviously Bijan didn't kill the testing the way a lot of people thought, but Gibbs ran a four, three and six, four, three, eight. And just the bag work, the dexterity of movement, the way they caught the football was just different. And they kind of fall in that offensive playmaker category. And I think what you'll find with the NFL and the NFL devalues running backs, devalues tight ends devalues linebackers to a certain extent but when you find a special prospect in that group you're going to get bumped up into the first round and so while I think there are guys that are you know I think very very talented like I'm not I think they're very good running backs I don't think there's that game changer at the position and when you talk to guys scouts and coaches at the combine you know we go out every night and talk to people one of the things they always say is like running back value you want to pick a running back in the third round like that's where the value is and I think a lot of these guys are guys that fit that billing that are good football players and add value because they have a kind of a specific superpower that they bring to the table. Right. Where Washington got Brian Robinson, as an example, is a third round. Pretty good talent there. Antonio Gibson, too. right? Yeah, And that's been a trend. Yeah. Like uh, it, it used to be teams taking running backs in the top five. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and definitely in the first round. That was very valued. Now, it's not that running backs aren't valued for a team. Of course they are. But it's like you can find later value with running backs. So it started to slide. That It's just a trend in the NFL. While wide receivers flying up, right? Mm -hmm. We could see a lot of these wide receivers going in the first round. And I think a, a big reason for that with the receivers specifically, and we're going to talk about them more detail in a second, is there's a lot of those dynamic playmakers in that group. A lot of them. Like, I mean, there's probably eight guys going to go in the first round. There's a bunch of guys in the second round where you say, man, this guy in last year's class, like this is going to sound crazy, but you know, Johnny Wilson is probably the, the first receiver taken in last year's draft class. Like that's how bad last year's draft class was. And this year he's probably the 12th, 15th guy on the list. So yeah. I think there's a lot of, of that going on here in terms of the, it's just a saturated class with dudes that can make plays on the football and, and make your offense significantly more explosive with, uh, with, with one pick. Yeah. It's also the way that they, 
that the the league is moving mm-hmm. right. They're moving to the more pass catchers, right? The more pass heavy offense. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, and you want more dynamic playmakers. You don't just want one guy. You want two guys, maybe even three guys in your wide receiver room that are weapons that other teams need the game plan floor uh, for, and that includes now. Running backs, right? Mm-hmm. Running backs are becoming more and more and more a part of that passing game. And we saw it here with the commanders with Brian Robinson this last offseason. So before last season, started catching the ball a lot in training mm-hmm. camp, right? Caught the ball a lot more in season than he did the year before. So we're starting to see pass catching is important with running back. So let's go to the running backs here, the first to go today. And let's talk about some of the guys that kind of showed that pure running back ability. And then what that means for them, if they're not, pass catchers first yeah so i think i think it's important that when we're talking about the running back group today is talk about the two guys that i think probably like won the combine isaiah Guer- uh, guendero from louisville was a guy that absolutely i mean absolutely murdered the combine from a testing standpoint like his numbers are kind of unbelievable he ran a fourth four three at six foot 221 pounds he had a 41 and a half inch vertical jump and a 10 nine broad so crazy explosive athlete and when you watch the film at louisville he kind of falls in that traditional runner bucket a little bit. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Brees Hall and how they used him at Iowa State. And what I mean by that is they ran a lot of kind of inside zone runs, and he never really got to be like that playmaker. But I do think at the NFL level, because of that speed, because of those explosive measurements, when you go back and watch his film, you see that even on the inside zone stuff where he gets some air and some some grass, he's able to create explosive plays. And I think even though he's kind of falls in that traditional runner bucket a little bit more, um, he still catches the ball pretty well. And I think that's the thing you see with this running back class that's unique. And I think it's kind of this kind of mirrors this trend you're talking about with offenses getting more pass centric, even guys that are kind of traditional runners catch the football naturally, like more naturally than runners did, you know, 10 years ago when I was playing. And so he's a guy I wanted to give a shout out to. And also Jalen Wright from Tennessee, you know, not didn't wasn't used in the past game at Tennessee, but he ran a four three eight today. Had the fastest miles per hour for a five yard split of any running back over the last three years at the combine. So very dynamic, explosive guy. He led the nation in explosive rushes last year for the Tennessee Volunteers. So he's five eleven. He's two hundred and ten pounds, but has this explosive skill set. So again, not a true pass catcher necessarily, but I think when you're a scout and you look at this, you say, "Hey man, like this dude, these guys are kind of falling." that fall in that weapons category because speed kills I think you just have to look at Miami and how they've addressed the running back position maybe not a chain I think was unique and that he was a very skilled playmaker and runner but Moster is a guy that I think fits this mold he's got explosive qualities and they've built an offense around what he does well and I think you could do that with both of these guys what are some other guys that stuck out to you? So those were the speedsters. Yeah. Those were the two fastest times for the running backs that ran the four three three for uh, Isaac and the four three eight for Jalen. Uh, what are some of the other guys that stuck out to you, and why? If they're not, where, is it because they blended well with rushing and pass catching, right. or? Uh, talk to me about those guys first, then we'll lean to more of the pass catching back. Sure. So I think, yeah, like there's like Ray Davis is the guy from Kentucky who's just at every step of the pro. His film's good. His senior bowl was very solid. His combine performance was very solid. He ran a 4-4, which is faster than I thought he would run, but got that natural vision. Like when they do the bag drills, he doesn't get flummoxed. Like when they have to read the bag, his feet are always under him. He's kind of this bowling ball build. I think he does catch the ball again, does catch the ball better, but is more of a traditional worker back but I think today he got to show that he catched the ball not he's not Dylan Laub or any of these guys that are like almost receivers in terms of how they, how they catch the ball but very skilled um, Kamani Valdal, Valdal excuse me another guy that is a traditional runner and again you see he ran a 447 awesome for him kind of showing that explosive measurement but good vision good power good contact balance but more of a traditional back, you know, Brandon Allen, the guy from Wisconsin didn't run his 40 today, but in the bag drills, you see his tremendous size. He's six, three, he's two fifty. He runs pretty well. He moves pretty well. I think he catches the ball. Okay. Cause he had to do that last year at Wisconsin. They're getting away from their traditional power running stuff. But in my mind, in the way I think a lot of scouts look at him, a traditional runner. Right. And I think that's where those guys stood out to me as having unique skill sets. But I'm also like, I think it's interesting that even though they are kind of these traditional runners, they aren't 
liabilities in the past game and they should be able to show that today so guys that stuck out to me again because they i think they tested pretty solid but also their field work was good and i think one of the things like with brandon allen for example he didn't test he had two drops today but the thing that i liked about him is how he moved there wasn't a lot of tightness in how he moved he's just a big kind of flexible guy and i think that there's a role for him at the next level where prior to today, I was a little bit concerned about him just being too stiff and too big. And I, and I think all those guys kind of were in that bucket and they all showed, hey, I can do something more than just pound between the tackles, basically. Let's talk about Marshawn Lloyd from USC because he might be the first running back off the board whenever that is. It, it looks like he's trending to be that way. Okay, and the, he has good film. Mm-hmm. He did very well at the Senior Bowl. The knock on him, or one of the knocks on him, is yeah, but he played with Caleb Williams, so there's not bo- he's not running in the boxes, eight man boxes. They because uh, they respect Caleb so much, they're backing out. He runs a lot out of the shotgun, which may be a good thing these days. There's a lot of running out of the shotgun in the NFL, but but that used to be a knock, right? Mm-hmm. Is that he wasn't getting in that uh, behind when the uh, quarterback was under center and running mm-hmm. from behind that, so. What about him stood out today, or were you like, well, you know, some of these concerns that I'm that people are talking about because of playing with Caleb Williams, I'm starting to see. Which way did you go today? So every again, he's a guy that I I liked his film, and again, and when you you mentioned it, when you watch his film, they're running into a lot of five man boxes, right? He's got very favorable numbers, but I think at the Senior Bowl, you just see a guy who's a good football player. You know, I think he catches the ball better than people think at the senior bowl, caught a bunch of wheel routes. I think looked very in control catching the football here today. And I think he's got the size. I think he's six, six footish, 217 pounds. And he's got the violent running style. You like, he wants to finish runs and he's got a, he's got an aggressive kind of um, who's the running back for, uh, for Kansas city with it runs so hard. Pacheco. Yeah. But he's got a little bit of that to his running style. And I think, um, and I think he also catches the football well. So I think to me, he that's why I think he's going to be one of the first backs taken because he's not super flash, but he's super consistent. And I think that's something that I value. And every step of the process, film was consistent, senior bowl was consistent, combine performance was consistent. And there, to me, as an evaluator of talent, there's value in the guys that just come to each event and are like, "Hey, you want me to?" run routes with the receivers because he did do that after he stayed and did like receiver route tree which i don't think of him as but i like that he's willing to try that i'm like the i like the he was able to show off his hands in that way but um but he's a guy that again just every stage of the process does a great job not super flashy but i could see a team taking a shot on him late in the second round early in the third and guys that stood around to run some of those receiver routes to show scouts that they can do that was uh, uh dylan laub from New Hampshire. Yep. Let's talk about him a little bit because he's interesting with this group. He's very interesting with this group because I think one of the things about his film, he runs like in this kind of um, shotgun spread offense and not the most dynamic runner. And what I mean by that is he's fast, he's powerful, but he just doesn't have a lot of shake in the hole. And then all of that kind of goes away when he gets they, – they line him up in the slot quite a bit on linebackers and he runs a tremendous route tree. And so it's almost like he's a slot receiver that moonlights as a running back. So I do think that that's something, you know, very um, not, he's not this player, obviously, but very Christian McCaffrey-esque in terms of his ability to kind of line up and run like a traditional route tree, like a slot receiver. I think he's a little too stiff for some of that, but in terms of his ability to run a choice route, to run a deep post from outside, like he's got that in his bag. And I think he kind of represents the direction the position is going. And I could see a team definitely taking a flyer on him as a guy, a developmental punt return, special teams type guy that could be kind of a Danny Woodhead at some point for them. A guy that runs well in between the tackles, but also can motion out and find those matchups, win on a choice route, run on an option route, much like an Edelman or an Amendola would, kind of that similar body type. And again, if you can find players that can create matchups through personnel, like he can, I believe, um, you feel pretty good about it. So speaking of guys that catch the ball, yep. let's move on to the wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, let's do it. All right, We've got so a lot of guys to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot. So let's talk about the big dogs. The big dogs. The ones that everybody's heard their names a hundred times, mm-hmm. but there's a reason. Yeah. And boy, did they remind you why they're the ones that you talk about all the time at the combine, because they look good. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to... 
I'm going to say, why don't we start with one of the best names in the combine right now, Roma Dunze. Roma Dunze. Roma Dunze. It's a great name. What a name. But It's a great wide receiver. So first off, everyone knew that he was going to come in and he wasn't going to light the world on fire from a 40 standpoint, but he took care of business. He ran a 4.47. Great job. Check that box. Explosive measurements. Good. Check that box. And the thing that just kind of sealed the deal for me on him, obviously his film was outstanding, is when he ran routes. So he was in the second group, and so we got to see everybody run. They're slipping. They're falling. They can't get on the same page with the receivers. And I just felt like every route that he ran, he's able to sink his hips. He's under control. He's under balance. He's getting out quickly. He's catching with his hands. And I just thought that is what a first-round, potentially top-five player at the position, no, potentially top-five player in the draft looks like. Just came in and just checked every question mark off for me, and I was like, that's exactly what we want to see from a, a, a potential top five pick. So he had a great combine, in my opinion. I think he got a little tired near the end of the, the on-field stuff because uh, we'll talk about the quarterbacks here in a minute, but they were really helping him out. But I thought his consistency in the in the gauntlet drill, his consistency, his consistency with the route tree, and his just his route running fundamentals, like his ability to run the comeback, the curl, the deep dig, all that stuff was on full display. And that just gets me fired up because to me, one of the hardest routes for big receivers to run is that is that 15 to 20 yard comeback and he just made it look incredibly easy and so i had no more questions like he was who we thought he was he gets comp to larry fitzgerald i think that's a very good comp he's not going to kill you with vertical speed but he's a great contested guest catch guy he runs excellent he has excellent route running fundamentals and he just put that on display for us yeah he looked really smooth really, really smooth. smooth for as big as he is right he just looks smooth and speaking of uh guys that ran nice routes as yes. well Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU. <clears throat> yeah, the, not, other, the other LSU receiver. Not Malik Neighbors, obviously. And so he, he measured in at 6'3", I think 210. So bigger guy, obviously, um, and dropped a couple balls. But one of the things that I had a question with with him coming in is I knew he was going to be fast. And I think he ran a 4'3'5 or 4'3'4. So he, he was fast. But with fast guys, one of the questions we have is, can they run a full route tree? Or can they run something resembling a full route tree? And so he did a great job with the gauntlet. Very smooth. But... He also ran the curl, the comeback, the dig, and with good fundamentals, smooth in and out of his cuts, didn't get bogged down the way some of these other guys we're going to talk about later. And I just felt like, you know, he had a couple drops, and I'm with that. They're probably going to be on SportsCenter. But in terms of the things that he needed to answer for me as an evaluator, came in and ran fast. You're supposed to be fast? Run fast. Check. And can you run routes? I thought he ran excellent routes on air, and I thought he showed great route running fundamentals. So to me, I think he just knocked it out of the park, and I think he jumped a lot of these other guys we're going to talk about later. Yeah, so I, I want to bring up something with him real quick uh, because you're like, yeah, he dropped the ball, whatever. But yeah. then we'll look at like Tez Walker at the senior bowl, and he's like, oh, man, he's dropping the ball. It's not a big deal. Yeah. So wait, why are we – that sounds hypocritical to us. Why are we saying one way and one the other? And, and I would say real quick, and then you can give your reason why yeah. – I would say that A, the film shows that he's very sure-handed, and B, not every ball thrown is created equal. And he was in a group where he had a couple of drops, a ball in him in the hand. It wasn't the best place ball, yeah. right? He had to contort his body to try to get it. It was behind him on his back hip, something like that. And it's like, yes, he should be making these catches. But it wasn't, we're not talking about like this ball hit him right in the hands while he's running smoothly around. It wasn't a well-thrown ball, right? Whereas Tez Walker has shown that every now and then that ball can be right there in the breadbasket and it's, and it, and it, it hits his hands yeah, and, I think and you bounces hit, off. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think it's a film study thing. I think when you just look at the consistency of his film in terms of how he catches the football, I don't really have any issue with it, you know, like, and you're going to It's have, an anomaly we saw. Yeah, you're going to yeah. be working with new quarterbacks, and we'll talk about that, that a lot in the next group of receivers we're going to talk about. But when you're working with new quarterbacks, the ball comes off the hand a little bit differently, and I think that was some of it. You know, and I think this is a, I think it's important to acknowledge that this is an extremely stressful environment. You know, this is an, yeah. ex, this is an opportunity to kind of be like, you know, like every drop means something. They can cascade, and they, they can, can become multiple drops. But I, again, the thing I wanted to see was foot speed, hip uh, ability to sink your hips in and out of routes. And I thought he did a great job of that in a way that I was not expecting. And, and it makes you believe there's a foundation there for a true X receiver, which is ultimately what you're looking for um, when you're looking for kind of that stud playmaking guy that can line up on the ball versus man-to-man -man coverage and win for you. So Yeah, and speaking of studs, let's talk about 
Leggett. Xavier Leggett from, uh, uh, why am I blanking? South South Carolina. Carolina. Um, Sorry, all the schools run together. (laughs) All the names and schools run together. Um, But he's not in the same category, I would say, as the Romo Dunze, certainly, or the um, Brian Thomas Jr. uh, Brian Thomas Jr. He's like just outside of that, maybe like late first round, second round, maybe. Feels like a second round player. And I think this 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 is a guy that I just. I kind of you just fall in love with a little bit because he just every everyone you talk to says he's a great kid. He works really hard. A little up and down at the Senior Bowl, and I also wanted to bring this up while we're talking about receivers because I think thinking back on our Senior Bowl content, I don't know if we acknowledge this well enough, but it's the first time they're playing padded football in months, mm. and they're working with new receivers, and sometimes they get a lot a little out of whack. And I just honestly was blown away with him because at the Senior Bowl we didn't get to see kind of his full repertoire of stuff. And he came out here, he didn't drop a ball, he ran really fast, he looked huge. I think he was like two, 225. His legs like looked big. Like him and Lad McConkney were standing next to each other, and they look like different species of human being. Yeah, um, but they're the same height. Like, yeah, they're about the same weird. height, yeah. but he just, Leggett just looks Bigger. I was, think you what did you write what did you write down in your a, He's a horse. Yeah. Like I wrote down is he a horse question mark. Like he was standing next to uh, Luke McCaffrey and they're exactly the same height. And they and and um Xavier just looks so much bigger than him. And I and the other thing I was just impressed with how he ran routes, the consistency with which, which he ran routes. Guys are slipping all over the place. He didn't slip one time. His feet were under him. All these criticisms about him not being able to run routes, him not being able to sink his hips, him not being able to adjust the football in the air at a high level. I was like I didn't see any of that today. He didn't drop a single ball today. Yeah. Which not that's uncommon, right? Yeah. Almost all these guys drop at least one ball, like whether it's in the gauntlet or one of the route trees, because it's just a badly thrown ball. Mm-hmm. But not him. He made adjustments to it. He caught it. He grabbed it even on the bad balls. He was he was special today. Absolutely. And there was a kind of an element of like what we talked about with Quinion Mitchell. Like it's not always perfect, but he's got so much horsepower out of his cuts. Like the way he can close to a football is very special. Ran a four three nine today, forty inch vertical, ten six broad. You're just like he answered he was supposed to be a physical freak. He was a physical freak. And then on top of that, I thought he showed a great technical acumen. So he's the guy that to me like kind of falls in that top group today as a as someone who sort of won the day and I think deserves mm-hmm. a lot of credit for whatever he's done between the senior bowl and now to get himself ready to go. Didn't look out of shape at all. Looked totally fine. Some of the other guys get a little heavy legged as the day goes on. I just give him a ton of credit. Came out for the, one of the biggest job interviews of his life. And I think he just, at least from the on-field portion, just aced it. Yeah, he did a great job. Now let's move on to the wide receivers who are, were the just a steady eddies. Steadies. We knew what they were in film, which is good players. And they came out here to come and said, hey, guess what? We're good players. We're going to confirm that for you. Yeah, and, you know, Lad McConkney was a guy that, he, at Senior Bowl, super steady. Here, very steady. I think there's some physicality issues that make you think, oh, like, where does he actually fall? I, the, during the broadcast, they made a comparison to Garrett Wilson. Physically, from a height, weight, speed standpoint, they're very similar, but they have very different play styles. But consistent route runner, love to see that. Luke McCaffrey, a guy that I think a lot of people have kind of pushed off as, you know, um, Christian McCaffrey's brother, all that kind of thing. Like in the gauntlet drill, he reminded me of what Puka Nakua did in the gauntlet drill. And the whole point of the gauntlet drill is to run as fast as you can, not lose any speed, and stay on the ground. Don't and, jump when trying to catch the ball. Right? And he did that at a very, very high level. Uh, Jaquan Jackson from Tulane. No, Tulsa. Who's he from? Tulsa. Tulsa. Jaquan Jackson? Yeah. No, he's Tulane. Tulane, sorry, yeah. Um, I thought he just came out and showed that elite twitch that you wanted to see from him. He's a smaller guy, 5'10", 200-ish, 205 pounds, but snappy, like Santana Moss, snappy in and out of his cuts, was not always on the same page with the quarterback. Again, I don't give that as him, but the superpower you needed to see from him, he came out and showed you that. Yeah, and also, he's not as fast as Santana Moss, just to get that clear. Yeah, you're talking f- about four four two. You're, you're talking about the twitch. Yeah, the twitch in and out of his cuts, yeah. his ability to like violently throw his feet into the ground and then not lose any speed coming out. Yeah, like, and we liked him at the Senior Bowl. I thought he came out showed showed uh, a very solid performance. Today. He, he had a route today where his shoulders went over his feet, Correct. right? And he kept his balance and popped up and cut violently the other direction. And you were like, that's really hard to do mm-hmm. by having your shoulders go over your feet, maintain your balance and still gain speed. Yeah, they it's call very it hard like do. really nerdy route running. People call it like a sense of false acceleration. And so what you do is 
you throw your chest forward as you're slowing down and it makes the DB think you're trying to run by them. And it's, and it's hard. It's hard to do that at a high level. And he showed that he could do it. And so that mm -hmm. is someone you circle, you say, I don't know what his exact role is at the next level, punt returner, third, fourth receiver that comes in man-to-man -man situations, but that physical skill set was there, which is great to see. And then Brendan Rice from um, USC, uh, obviously Jerry Rice's son, just I think he ran well for how big he is. Like everyone was worried he was going to be slow. I think he ran a four, was it a four four seven something like that? Ran well, jumped well, and then was just super consistent on the field. Like he was consistent at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. He's consistent here, and – I like that. And I felt bad for him because he had a lot of bad balls, like uncatchable balls yeah. were in his way. But was he in the first we, group or the second group? He was in the second group. Yeah. But 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 even with that, and you could see his frustration a little bit. And I I don't I don't want to speak for him. I don't know if his frustration was for uh how the balls were thrown or that he didn't catch them or right. whatever. But uh you could tell that like it doesn't matter if I catch the ball or not. He was going out there, he was gonna run the route the best he could. And very, a, very and steady. Another guy that was in pretty good shape throughout the whole thing, ran yeah. a ton mm -hmm. of routes. And again, every time you drop the ball in these drills, they make you go again. And so you can get easily during these periods, which are about an hour and a half long, a thousand high speed yards, which is very, very taxing on the body. So kudos to him. And then uh, Jalen Polk is a guy from UW who I don't know what he is at the next level because he's got a little bit of stiffness, but never drops the ball, runs good routes, and his film is awesome in terms of contested catchability. And he just came out and did that today, you know, on the field. And it, in, in, in an environment where there's a lot of bad balls, where there's uh, people missing throws, like he made the quarterback right a lot, diving on the ground. There was one where they run like an in to a high corner, um, and he tracked the ball well and dove on the ground, and Romo Dunze comes up to him and lifts him up, and everyone's jacked up, and – so that's the kind of that's the kind of player he is, and that's yeah. the type of energy that he brings, and that's what you see in his film. He he uh, he's an alpha for that ball. Yeah. He says it's mine. I'm going to go get it. It it's a little bit. He, he doesn't look like Terry McLaurin. I'm not going to say that, but when Terry goes to get those 50-50 balls, he he has that like this is mine. Yeah, I'm I'm the one that's coming down with it. That's what Polk looks like. When and he's he goes and after he's it. built a little bit different than Terry. Yeah, kind he's, of different. Wider, he's different. Wider back. And it's all the that mentality kind of stuff. though. I it's totally the mentality agree. here. That physicality and the mentality. Yep. So those those guys for me are just like, I think they're good football players. I think there are some physical limitations in some cases. You know, Lad's a little bit on the small side, Polk's a little bit stiff. But I just, in terms of the nuance of playing the position, I think they just do a great job with it. Let's not forget about Ricky Pearsall. Oh, our guy Ricky Pearsall. Yeah, let's not man. forget. He uh, actually he ran a like four four one. I know, but like he's he's a guy that I, you know, like you want to put him in the steady Eddie. But I think it's he ran a four four one. He also had a forty one inch vertical. I think he had eleven foot broad jump. And for a little uh, for a guy that everyone thought was just kind of a slot receiver, those are explosive horsepower measurements that I would kind of think about even putting him in to a winner's category for the day because not only did he test extremely well. He ran great routes like we thought he would. Great change of direction. He's a little bit smaller upper body wise seeing him in person than I thought he would be. But I don't really care about that because he's a guy that's going to fit some type of role at the next level. And, you know, if you're looking for a receiver that I would be ecstatic about playing here in Washington, <clears throat> who could be that three, that kind of Curtis Samuel replacement if necessary, I would jump at the chance in the third round if he's still there to run that ticket up because he – you watch his film in college. It's excellent. You watch how he tested and to see him test better than expected. You're just like, this guy could be uh, a, I don't want to say a dynamic playmaker because that's overstating, but a consistent playmaker at the NFL level. Well, another guy that in that vein, uh, the combine really helped them out, really pushed them up. I think uh, Tez Walker stood out today I, and he needed to have a good day and he did. I, right. So uh, real quickly, he ran a four, three, six. Which is great. And jumped out the gym, if I remember correctly. I don't know if you yeah. can look, that up while I'm, look it up while I'm talking real quick. Sure. But a guy that at the Senior Bowl I had a hard time catching the football. Just was not very consistent catching the football. And it's a red flag because on film, you see him also drop the football. And so you're kind of like, man, the, the most important part of playing receiver at the NFL level, at any level, is catching the football. I don't care how fast you are. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how twitched up you are. If you can't catch the football... That's concerning. And so today he came out, and we've, we've already talked a little bit about how challenging it is for these receivers to catch balls from new players. Uh, he didn't drop a ball. He didn't drop a ball. He ran excellent routes. I mean, you still see some of the issues with his route running technique. He's a little high-hipped. He has a hard time sinking. But I think he's violent with his feet and a guy that could be 
again, like kind of in that, um, that Wallace from Pittsburgh over the top playmaker, if he can kind of catch the football the way he did today. So I think again, in, in, in the vein of a guy who needed to kind of answer a lot of questions in a, in a big time job interview, he did that. I mean, it's, there's so many, you, you, they probably caught 50 balls today or had the opportunity to catch about 50 balls. No, that's probably too much. 30 to 35 balls. He didn't drop one of them. So didn't drop it in the gauntlet, didn't drop it in the warmup. You can tell that was a point of emphasis for him. And I think that's awesome that he came out and kind of put his stamp on that. Yeah, he, he, he looked fantastic. I was pleasantly surprised to see that, especially after the tough senior bowl the last time I saw him. Uh, a 4-3-6, 40-yard dash, uh, a 40.5 vertical. Monster. Pretty good. And 11-2. Monster. Those are monster explosive numbers. And so for him, again, to come out, test so well, jump like that, run like that, that in a big moment, it's hard to do that, man. There's fans there, there's scouts there. Everyone gets a little bit tight, a little bit of tense. Uh, I think he just did a great job uh, again. And, and all the questions that came up in the senior bowl, like kind of not answering all of them. Cause he still fights the football a little bit. He still has a, he's not the most natural catcher, but I like that that was a point of emphasis for him. So I'd say he's also kind of in that pseudo winner category for sure. All right. Well, let's look the other direction, right? Not the winner. I don't want to say a loser because yeah. nobody here is a loser. They're all NFL talent. Yeah. And like I said, we're going to be nitpicky. We're yeah. going to split some hairs, but a guy that came in here that we're all that we said, all right, let's see if you can check some boxes mm -hmm. was uh, Keon Coleman from Florida state. Yeah. And Keon Coleman is a guy that I love. I love watching his film. He is great. He's probably the best contested catch receiver in the class. The problem is like, he doesn't separate well on film. So he needed to come in here and show me something. Show me something from a, an explosive speed standpoint. So he comes in, he runs a 4.62. Okay, that's not fatal, but it's not great. Then you're like, okay, well, if he comes in and shows some route running nuance, maybe that 4.62 isn't an issue. And every route that he... So first off, I got to give him his flowers. On the gauntlet drill, he did it better than anybody at the combine. He sprinted through the thing. His feet never left the ground. He caught the ball naturally with his 20 hands. 20 miles an hour he was hitting on that. Which is what you want to see in that drill. So great, great job. But anytime we had to change direction, anytime we had to run an out, a deep dig, a comeback, he is very stiff in his hips and ankles in a way that makes it hard for him to sink into breaks. And we're going to talk about Johnny Wilson here in a second. But when you watch Johnny Wilson, his kind of counterpart at Florida State, sink and run routes it just looks completely different and it, it and that to me when i watched him in routes on air today it became instantly clear why his separation percentage is so low compared to everybody else so i think he could have come in here and if he would have run a four five or a four four seven four four nine it would have been like okay he's got the vertical speed to be this home run threat but now i think his role becomes a little bit nebulous about what he's good at in the nfl again contested catch monster but so was keneal harry a guy that Contested, could contested catch any out contested catch anybody, but couldn't separate and obviously had a very kind of lackluster professional career. Yeah, Keanu Coleman. I hope, I hope he's successful. Yeah, we all, he, I know, so do I. He yeah. looks like he has all the tools. It's just it feels like there's just one thing not clicking. And I hope he goes to a team that gets a coaching staff around him that like figures it out because he is a monster for contested yeah. catches. And just give him that little bit of something that helps him create separation so he can be a big success. Um, yeah, you talked about Johnny Wilson. I want to lump two guys together. Okay. I want to lump Johnny Wilson. And I want to lump uh, Xavier Worthy, Xavier Worthy yeah. from Texas. And there's a reason I want to lump them together. And that reason is they came into the combine with a lot of questions around them. Did they prove, did they answer those questions? Did they prove it to you? Because Johnny Wilson ran a four, five, three and, and it being at six, seven and the size he is, I think he we were like, yeah. that's good. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. We are glad we saw that. So you said he did the route. Sorry, Logan. Yeah, ahead, you said he did the routes and he sunk his hips and he looked great. And you're excited about that. Yeah. Right. These are all positive things. Then Xavier Worthy, we have questions about his route tree and yeah. uh, what he can do uh, was um, as far as like, can he do these comebacks? Can he do, can he do all the route tree? Yeah. That's basically what it, he comes in and he runs a record setting four two one forty. Yeah. That was phenomenal to watch in right? the atmosphere the, the stadium, atmosphere yeah. was not coach they were showing coaches on the board that were like pulling for him it was like it was great 
but then he doesn't do anything. He's he's like, I'm done for the day. I'm not going to run any routes for you. I'm not going to show you that I can do these things, even though there's questions for it. I'm fine with just being the fastest 40 time ever at the combine, right? Yeah. Whereas Johnny Wilson, the reason I want to lump him, he does all these things. We said we checked the box, good 40, looking good in, in, his, in well. his routes to jump well. But then halfway through the drills, he's like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm done. Now he could have an injury. We don't know. Or his agent could have said something. Yeah, agent, he just, for whatever reason, he's just, he just stopped. He went on, got dressed, put his bag on. Stood with the stood guys. Stood with the guys, stood with the team, was rooting them on and all that. But he like, he only did about half it. Why? Yeah. So like, why, why do we, even though they came in and did positive things, we still have questions about him. Yeah. So I think, let's start with Johnny Wilson, because he's a guy that I, I love tall receivers. I love outliers. 35-inch arms. He jumped 37 inches at 235 pounds. He had like an 11-9 broad. Like, he he did a great job testing. Ran, hey, remember the 4-5-3-40? The, the like, that's awesome for a man of his proportion. And then he goes out, and you're like, we'll see what happens. And he runs excellent routes. He catches the ball with his hands. He runs a great uh, gauntlet drill. He, he just, it's all there. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this guy can play his way into what I would categorize as a two, you know, like he at the senior bowl, he didn't lose a rep in one-on-ones. He didn't make any men. Like he had a good week of practice. And then at the senior bowl, he stops after the second day. He wins, he wins all his one-on-ones in the second day and then says, I've got an injury. I have to go. So you're like, okay, that's okay. People do that at the senior bowl. Yeah, all that's the time. tough. And like, we felt bad Yeah, like, we, felt we wanted bad. to keep seeing you. We had an injury. You. That's fine. And so then here it's like, you are doing something. You're having an excellent day. You're running good routes. He made an excellent, like this throw. So he ran a big out, right? And I forget who it was, but they kind of put the ball way to the sideline over his head. So he tracked it over his head. He caught it right off his shoelaces as it was falling down, popped it up, and then finished the drill. And that was his last catch. And And at 6'7", that was amazing to see. And just seeing him run in comparison to everybody else, you're like, this and and again, his ability to sink and come out of cuts at that size is... It's, it's really special to watch. But I don't understand why you didn't finish the Senior Bowl and why you didn't finish this drill. And I've got, we're going to do some investigative reporting and figure out what's going on with them. But do you have an injury problem? Can you only run a certain number of routes? Like what's your conditioning like? So I feel like that the physical stuff was all answered for me. But the, the character of the, 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 the composition of his competitive character is still in question. Yeah, and, and and it it feels like that's unfair because we don't know. We him. don't know. He could have had an injury. He could just be taking the advice of his agent and like he's doing all the right things, but because we don't know mm-hmm. and we're not privy to that, they should. And we don't like we're not teams, right? Maybe they're telling the teams, "Hey, here's what's going on, whatever," and that's fine. But we don't have that information, so all we have is like we you're right there every time. Like we, we want to fall in love with you mm-hmm. or, or I want to fall in love with you. And, and, and right when I'm about to, you're like, Oh no, no, yeah, that's exactly. I think that's and it's exactly like, right. Oh no, just, just, just finish it out. Man. Yeah. Finish just, it out. But, and, but I hope he's, I hope he's healthy. Yep. I hope it's not an injury. Uh, I, I hope it is his agent saying, you know, stuff like I hope it, and I, I just hope it's not him being like, you know, I, I think I'm done. Yeah. I hope that too. Cause again, I want guys who love football mm-hmm. or are passionate about football and those are the guys you bet on. Those are the guys that get better. And that didn't happen today. And so, for, and so that, that's one element of the people you asked about. The other guys, Xavier Worthy, obviously, tremendous performance. The problem I have with this is he, he's 5'11". He weighed in at 165, obviously jumped out the gym. All the, every explosive measurement you want, his 10 was great. Everything about it was great. I think he ran the fastest 10 in the history of the combo. Like, dude was out there today from, yeah. an ex, from a measurement standpoint. I don't have any question when I watched this film there. I had zero questions about that. Like, I think I told you before I ran, I think he's going to run a four, two. I think I said that to you. Yeah. And he goes out and runs a four, two. Great. My question is what, how do you run routes? You know, like, I don't care how fast you are. How do you run routes? And so I was really hoping because on film, he's, he works a, a vertical route tree. People get hands on him. They bump him off the stuff. He has a hard time changing direction. Maybe that's just the route tree they're asking him to do at Texas. So I really wanted to see him run today. I really or, or run routes. And for him to just put the backpack on, I'm like, you're not a first-round pick. And maybe you will be now after the 40, but I think teams have gotten wise to understanding that fast guys, really fast guys, guys, if you look at everybody who's broken records at the combine in terms of 40 outside of Chris Johnson, tend to not be the greatest football players. 
Um, John Ross is the most recent example drafted by the Bengals in the first round. That's the record that Worthy beat today. That's yeah. and not a, you know kind of a lackluster career. So I just wanted to see him play football or play a version of football or play something that simulated football, and uh, he just didn't do that. So um, I'm a little disappointed with that. Again, he will go down in history as the fastest man in dude, and it was electric. I was yeah. pulling for him. It was so exciting to see because he like and we don't it. want to take anything away from him for doing that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and and just to walk you through, like he ran a four two five. And I'm like, he's not going to run another one. And he gets up to the line, and the building is quiet. It's like, They're like oh, it's like electric. And he's it's like, running again. And then he runs the he runs the the forty. And then for the second time, for the second forty, the NFL puts up the time on the big screen. Yeah. And they flash up the four two right as or four two one right as he's finishing. And the the stadium erupts. They have yep. clips of coaches like double checking their stopwatches and looking at the numbers on the screen. Yeah, and it was just it was awesome. And I think so, they showed AP. Yeah, uh, like, and he was just like, oh yeah, yeah like clapping. Little, and then they yeah. showed a picture of a scout looking at his stopwatch, <laughs> looking at the number, double checking it, talking to someone next to him because you don't believe that it happened. Yeah. And it's and it's cool to be there for that kind of moment in combine mm. history. Yeah, but as a talent evaluator, that's great. But I want to see you run some routes and, and catch did. the football. Yeah, yeah. that's and right. Like, and it's again, it's the same for me. The same thing with Johnny was. <laughs> I want to love that. Yeah. Right. And I, I, that's great. But this isn't just a track meet. You need to go play some football. Yep. Right. You need to show some or, or, football skills. Or run routes. Like yeah, the yeah. football skills. Because you're not playing football. There's no pads on. It's the underwear Olympics. We get that. Right. I need to see the fundamentals. Like Roma Dunze showed me. Brian Thomas showed me. Right. Yeah. Xavier Leggett showed me they were not, they had a great workouts and they weren't too good to do this other thing. And I just, again, we're going to go back and watch the film, grind the yep. tape, but I had questions about his route running and I was hoping to get them answered today or at least shades of that answer today. Yeah. And he didn't do it. So awesome. Congratulations to yep. him, but didn't quite work out. And then there's another guy we want to talk about too. AD mm -hmm. Mitchell, right? Yeah, let's do it. AD so Mitchell. his Texas teammate, and he's a guy that everyone's going to be super stoked on him because he ran like a four, three, five, four, three, four. He ran a four, three, five. He jumped crazy like his jumps were awesome like all the explosive stuff you're talking about and you go back and watch the film and he's an explosive player but i didn't know he was that explosive and then he gets on the field and all of the questions you have about his route running uh technicality were just exacerbated to like the millionth degree he gets stuck in breaks he's slipping coming out of cuts he's he's drifting on routes and quarterback is missing the throw and so you're like he is not technically where he needs to be physically it's all there for him but the yeah. technical stuff was not there and so you kind of say even though he had a great day measuring and like coming out of that lab and saying man i can do all this stuff from a physical standpoint the the nuance of the position escaped him in a way that makes me think maybe it wasn't the best day for him yeah, yeah that, and he had a couple drops which is tough and this was with the group with Bo Nix yeah and JJ McCarthy and uh Sam Hartman who doesn't have the best arm but he's fairly accurate yeah. and it's like okay that's tough yeah right and, that's tough and, and Joe Milton was out there too and say what you want about Joe Milton at least today was pretty accurate on the whole he had and a pretty so, good day yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was that was tough, and um, and, it, and man, it's hard. It's, cause, cause, so here's the yeah. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing: the combine isn't the be all end all, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and we mentioned this before. Like, the weight that you use to combine to evaluate a player is like it just is supposed to f support the film or push you to like maybe I missed something in the film. And also, these guys are going to have pro days, right? Mm -hmm. So like with Xavier Worthy, with Ad Mitchell, they're going to have a, a pro day at Texas, mm -hmm. and hopefully. This answers questions again, right? Yeah. And it's like they get to do this combine stuff again where they're more comfortable and it's like they get to work on a little bit more and they get to be like, oh, the combine was a fluke. Or like – and we're hoping positive things for these guys. Yeah, and I'm I saying, think the thing with right? Andy Mitchell, though, it's like the film shows that he's not the most nuanced route runner. So you're like – but it also showed that for Brian Thomas, right? Correct. And so Brian Thomas comes to the field and you see the nuance. And with Andy Mitchell, it was like – there was it was like he was – bashing a hammer into the ground like there was no nuance there and you're like oh that's a lot of work to do and now the great thing about receiver is i think if you look at dk metcalf who's again not a nuanced route runner but is a stallion out there you can cultivate an offense to speak to guys skill set so you're fast you're explosive yeah. we can find a way to make that work but that role diminishes in size because you're again the 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 nuance the artistry of the position isn't there now like you said he goes to the he goes to his pro day 
kills it, like he might be a first round pick, but I would be reluctant to kind of give him that designation after the field work today. Yeah. And I, I keep hedging because I think this is important because a lot of times, and it's not just with fans with listening to uh, combine talk or draft talk. It's like, we get this just in general in our conversations. It sounds like sometimes when you're pointing out things that it's like, okay, he has trouble with this. He has trouble with that. It doesn't mean we hate the player. Mm -hmm. Right. And it doesn't mean like they're a bad player. We're not saying by any means that any of these guys that we're bringing up some questions with, whether it's AD Mitchell or King Coleman yeah. that we're like, or, or Johnny Wilson, even yeah. or Xavier worthy that we're like, Oh, they don't, they, they don't deserve to be drafted. That's not what we're saying. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning, this is a very good wide receiver class, and we are going to split hairs to try and figure out where they're going to fall and where they're going to rise in this draft. Yeah, and, I, and I, still think, I, think, I still think A.D. Mitchell is a second-round player. But I think he he's worth it. He's worth a second-round pick, I think pick, he could have been a first. I think he could have jumped Keon Coleman right. and a first-round player if he had done better in that area. And it's a, small, it's, th it's a small thing, but I think that's, kind of, that's what we're – I think he's yeah. still good. I'd still, in the right situation, want him. Same thing with Keon Coleman, quite honestly. Yeah. But – there's more questions about them as opposed to those first three guys yep. we talked about who came out and just knocked the ball out of yeah, the Yeah, these guys still could have great NFL careers, yeah. right? And they're still draftable. They're 100%. still definitely draftable. They're, 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 top they're, six, they're top 60 players. Yeah, so I just want to reemphasize that like, just because we're talking about these things doesn't mean we're like saying they're like bad at football. Right. They most certainly are not, right? right? Um, all right, so guys – uh, going from Texas to Tennessee, we just <laughs> talked about Joe Milton, and we just talked about the guy that ran the fastest 40. Let's talk about this laser cannon of an arm that Joe Milton got to show off. This dude threw the ball, I measured, 70 yards, which is nuts. 70 yards to a completed pass, so like it's going to fall. It's probably like 70. It, it was it – was, so, you know, we've been in the combine a couple years in a row now, and – we see the guys do it, and they start on the 10, they do their drop back, the receiver runs out, and they catch the ball approximately between the 50 and the 45. That's On the other side. On the, the, on the other yep. side of 50, right? So that's approximately where the ball catches. And so Joe Milton gets out there, and I'm like, this dude's about to, like, he, you know, he can throw the ball 85 yards in the air. Let's see it. It's kind of, it kind of sounds like an urban legend almost. Yeah. So he gets back there, he does his drop, and instead of throwing the ball, he holds it for like a half a second. So the receiver is just getting farther and farther away. And you're like, he's going to underthrow this. Like, there's no way he can throw the ball this far. And he launches this sucker, and it lands on the minus 20, 19, 18-yard line, and the receiver catches it. And I, I've never seen a ball f travel that far in the air to a completed position before. Like, he is a physical Freak. He threw the ball 62 miles an hour. Like, I don't know if he broke the record, but he was probably close. Like, he is a monster when it comes to throwing the football. He's not the most technically sound quarterback from a film standpoint, but the tools, man. He, he's, he's fast. He's big. He did a, he did a handspring backflip after they scored a touchdown to finish the drill. Like, he weighs 245 pounds. Like, dude is a monster. And so, in terms of winning the combine, like, did he make every throw? No. Is he the most, most accurate guy of all time? No. But does he have a cannon for an arm? And is he blessed with everything you could possibly need to play the position? Absolutely. I said this before. I'll say it again. <laughs> he reminds me of Xerxes from 300. He's a massive. Yeah. He's a massive man. And he has a absolute laser cannon of an arm. It was really impressive to see. But the other guy that was stealing the spotlight in this group for quarterbacks, even though he had that great 70-yard throw, mm -hmm. the guy that was getting all the attention, that all the eyeballs were on, was J.J. McCarthy. Yeah. Now, yeah. why are the eyeballs on J.J. McCarthy, Logan? I mean, I think so. When you watch the film, I know there's not a lot of throws. You have to watch a lot of games to get the number of throws you need to kind of fill out your evaluation. But you see great ball velocity, great ball placement, and you see NFL throws in the tight windows. You see a confidence and you see an athleticism. So I was a little disappointed he didn't run his 40. But I think the thing that just jumps out at you, like right when he gets back there, is there's Joe Milton's arm, right? Which is just straight, raw horsepower. And I will say JJ's arm is not far off. Like I said, I said Joe Milton threw the ball 62 miles an hour. JJ threw it 61. And so in combining kind of this tremendous physical gift, there's also a little bit more nuance there when it comes to playing the quarterback position. Like they're running a big out today and 
JJ is throwing with anticipation, throwing to a spot. Milton is just relying solely on the horsepower of his arm to he'll see the guy make the cut. He'll throw it to the guy and make the catch. But I think JJ just, you saw the physical gifts that get everybody so fired up about him. And you saw him layering that in, in conjunction with some very, very high level quarterback kind of, it's not high level cause it's routes on air, but understanding, Hey, this, I can use my, 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 my wedge here. I can use my driver. I can use the putter for this throw and they were all pretty accurate. And again, they're throwing to a, an, a, a very eclectic group of receivers. And he just kind of physically separated himself. And also, you can tell he has a good feel for some of the finer points of the position. Yeah, and he was he, it was a really interesting quarterback group to watch because you, you had Milton, you had McCarthy, and you had Bo Nix as well. Mm-hmm. And Bo Nix, just for distance, right? I wrote these down. These are raw. These are not official. These are just what I marked when I looked at it. Milton had the 70-yarder, mm-hmm. right? Then McCarthy was a 64-yarder. Oh, wow. That's yeah. not bad. Put that out there. And then Bo Nix was a 55, right? So... Bo Nix is known for being pretty accurate, mm-hmm. right? Well, McCarthy was matching those nice touch throws, yeah. those nice accurate throws, and then he was out-throwing Bo Nix as far as strength in a completed pass down there, just a little bit below Milton. So he had a – it was almost like if you take a little bit of what Milton has, <laughs> a little bit of what Bo Nix has, and you put it in one quarterback that's arrows, it's J.J. McCarthy. So – yeah, when I was what like when we first started doing this, mm-hmm. he was not one of the quarterbacks I evaluated, yeah. right? Because he wasn't at the senior bowl. Right. And then I started looking at film. You were sending me film of him, and it took a lot of games to get a, at least a decent amount of throws to understand what he was what he was capable of. Yeah. And he's got a very strong arm. Yeah. Right? He is accurate with the ball when he does throw it. He can move. Yeah. Right. He's athletic and can move in the pocket, can make a play with his legs. And um, it was just interesting because it feels like he came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. even though he's the quarterback of the national championship. <laughs> team, right. Yeah. And I do want I do see where you hear that other teams, other scouts are saying like, hey, this guy may slide in and be the fourth quarterback mm-hmm. off the board, maybe a top 10 pick. Yeah. You're starting to see if you if you start to squint. You're starting to see it. And I think especially today, you know, like I know he threw with those guys, right? Who And I think Bo Nix is kind of in that fourth, fifth quarterback conversation between him and uh, – but he outperformed him today. And then you compare him to what they did with the second group, and I think Penix has an excellent arm, but he doesn't have the touch. Does and, and, and I think his arm actually was less effective in certain situations, certain throws, than McCarthy's arm. And so I don't want to say he kind of blew those guys out of the water, but – the he kind of did to me yeah and, and again the film is very he good did, too yeah. and the ability to kind of use different clubs is something that i can't overstate the importance of because Penix throws a great deep ball but everything in between is a little bit dicey and i think he's very accurate i thought he was very efficient today but you see there's just a little bit more with mccarthy and i think yeah. Penix is going to be a serviceable pro he might even be a good starter at some point same thing with bo nicks but there's something there's something special about his physical skill skill set that makes Jim Harbaugh say he would take him first overall if he could. Like that, and again, I don't yeah. think Jim Harbaugh is being hyperbolic. I think he genuinely believes in that guy. The leadership stuff. I think he probably interviewed really well. So I, after today, it feels like to me that he is the he's established himself very firmly as the fourth guy. And we'll see. We got to watch more film. The mm-hmm. evaluations ongoing. Another process. But um, but seeing what he was able, seeing what he was able to do from film and apply it in this setting, and to see just you know, Bonix throw a ball, McCarthy throw a ball, Joe Milton throw a ball, Penix throw a ball, one right after another. You're kind of like, man, that arm is special. That accuracy is special. And he did. It's not like he made every throw. He missed some throws. That's he's thrown a bunch of different receivers, but. It was um it was a pretty good performance by him today. Well, the combine because I keep saying it, the combine shouldn't be everything. No, it's not. So everything. like the the hesitation that I have with McCarthy, like as a just a guy, right? If you're talking to me and I'm just a guy, he just hasn't done it enough. Yeah, there are guys like the Bonix and Penix. They've done it enough. Yeah, I've seen a lot of throws. I've seen them do a lot of different type of throws. I've seen them put teams on their back with having the throw. Like we've seen that. 
Yeah. Haven't seen it as much with McCarthy. So like that's the worry is like, yeah, yeah he's got all these things when it's routes on air, right? Or when it's asked for when he's asked to do it just in burst, little burst. But if you're going to draft him high, right? If he's going to go in the top 10 or be the fourth quarterback overall or fall somewhere in there, he's going to have to do it more than he did it in college. He's going to have to put a team on his back a lot more because you're taking a, a team that needs a lot of help, you would think. You're not drafting in the top 10 if you're not a team that needs a lot of help. So like guys like Caleb Williams, you say, well, he can go out there and he can do things that even if your team needs a little help in growing and rebuilding, he can still win you games, right, with his type of skill set. That's, that's the evaluation of him. With McCarthy, maybe he has those, maybe he doesn't, but like I just I don't trust it. I haven't seen it enough. Yeah. So what do you say to just a guy like me who's like it's just there's just not enough data point. There's no there's no rebuttal to it. It's true. I think the I think the thing about it is I put my my coach's hat on here and I know coaches are going to look at what he does and say we can work with that because it's special. I think that's what you come down to. And I think you, again, I've told our, our listeners to go back and watch the TCU game from last year. And you see he makes mistakes. He's not perfect, but you see high level NFL throws and the tight windows over the middle of the field. And they are tough. He's under pressure. He does a great job. And I think coaches, GMs, they watch that and they say that I don't care how long Bo Nix has played football. I don't care how talented he is. He's never going to have that physical skill set. And I think that's what's happening right now is it's like the mystery box. You've seen enough to say, oh, it's not really a mystery. Like talk yourself into it. Yeah. And then you see him throw today and you're like, oh my gosh, like if I was a coach, like the one I, I totally blind without the names, you know, I'm picking that one. I'm picking him today because, and he's just going to have more opportunity. He's going to throw at his pro day. They're going to see it more. This is like, I bet you he's a top 10 pick. And, I, and it's because it's because he's shown a little bit and that little bit is really good. And then he's got the physical tools to kind of make you say, wow. And I think that's what the NFL is, right? It's projecting. It's projecting. And we talk yeah. about this a lot in terms of our big spreadsheet that we have of all the prospects mm-hmm. is there are physical rate limiters to the position. And like with offensive linemen, it's foot speed and arm length or body mass or height or whatever it is. And with a quarterback, it's arm talent, accuracy, athleticism, or things that no matter how long we talk about, we can't. I can't coach you to be better in those areas necessarily. Maybe accuracy, but arm talent, non-negotiable. And then the the fact that he's done some of these NFL throws, like just to give you some context, like Penix doesn't make these throws. They're all outside. They're all deep comebacks. They're all deep fades. He doesn't throw over the middle of the field. Jane Daniels doesn't throw over the middle of the field, right? Even um, even our guy, Bo Nix, who's got a wide array of throws, is in an offense that is very insulating towards him. So even though he has more throws, they're simple, easy reads. These are the ones that McCarthy does are challenging NFL level throws. And I think people say that's something if he can do that there, we can make that happen all the time at the NFL level. So I think that's why after this week, you're not going to see anybody have anybody but him in that four slot. Well, let me put you on the spot. Okay. Washington trades back. Let's say they trade back. The, 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 the common one is eight, right? They yeah. trade back to eight with Atlanta. So Atlanta moves up to two, get a couple of picks, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you can uh, build more with your roster with these picks, okay? But we still want a quarterback. Are you feeling comfortable with J.J. McCarthy there at eight for Washington? I'm getting there. I, I mean, I think I told you this morning, if I had to pick, if I was picking between 14 and 20, I'd feel excellent about it, mm-hmm. but he's going to get, not, he's not going to fall. He's going to fall. That, he's not going to fall that far. So I think the idea of getting JJ McCarthy in a purpose in a perfect world, JJ McCarthy at eight, he sits for a year. We draft another offensive lineman. They get better. The continuity improves. He does the Patrick Mahomes thing. And next year he comes out and we're ready to rock and roll. I understand if you dropped a guy in the top 10, that's not a reasonable expectation, but he's very good. And the stuff that he does well is very high level NFL stuff. And he's still got a lot of growing to do, but that talent I, I can, I'm getting intoxicated just thinking about it. It's, 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 it's very high. Yeah. The last, uh, about a month ago, or maybe, maybe just a little bit less than a month ago on this podcast, uh, with Zach Selby, yeah. um, with you, me, we did a mock draft battle and Selby, we, we did what happens if we trade back from two into eight and Selby picked Bo Nix at that spot. Mm. 
I would love to do that again, and we probably will in the next coming weeks. We're going to do that same thing again with the new evaluations we have. And I'm very interested in what Selby, you, me, or Fred Smoot does now that we know a little bit more about J.J. McCarthy. Does he overtake Bo Nix? On that show, I tried to push. I tried to push him that way, you know, because of um, because I think I think I think people are really high on Bo Nix because the numbers for Bo Nix are excellent, like completion percentage, advanced completion percentage, adjusted completion percentage. But when you look at like difficulty of throw in that offense, it's not very high. Which again, I'm, that's not taking anything away from him. Like he made the throws, but um, the high level stuff isn't there. And like you said, it's not there all the time for McCarthy, but when he has to, when they have to throw in Michigan's offense, it's tough. So yeah. I think that's part of it. One little, one little more thing. McCarthy is much younger than Bo Nix. That's true. And there's something alluring there too. Yeah, that there really is. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing with Drake May and Jane Daniels too, right? Like yeah. that there's there's a malleability, a pliability there. You can kind of mold them as you want them to be, and um, and I do think there's something special about that. You know, that he's been in a pro style offense. He's been with uh with um uh, the the coach of the chargers now like he understands what the expectation is going to be for him he went to img academy that's basically playing professional football in high school or college football in high school like he has been on a track to be to have a high level of professionalism so there's something definitely intoxicating about it um but it's still a projection like 100 percent. so i'm not saying i know i have the answer but he is uh he's very alluring to be sure what a day what a day. That was a fun day. I love football, <laughs> and the Combine is a – Indianapolis does a fantastic job at it. Lucas Oil is a beautiful stadium. Everybody's super nice. It's a great facility. Um, and, I, man, I just love football, watching these guys do football things. It is. It's, it it's a good day. It's a football junkie's dream. And so we just sit there and talk ball and uh, get to watch all these guys come through and get to see dreams hopefully happen, right? And thank you, Seeky, for giving <laughs> us the best seat in the house. The official primary ticketing partner of the Watch the Commander, Seeky, makes this podcast happen for you, the fans, and we're very grateful that we're a part of that ride. 1, so that's 000. our show. 1,000%. That's all we got. All right. Till next time. That's it. That's it. That's it.